Well, good day, folks. Today is the 20th day of June 2023. I'm your host and narrator, Mitchell Dawkins, with today's midday message. Um, Today I'm going to come out of the book of uh, Ephesians, uh, chapter 5, verses 21, where it talks about submitting to one another. And so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna reference this to uh, Stephen J. Cole, who is a pastor of uh, Flagstaff Christian Fellowship. He's a graduate uh, graduate of uh, the uh, Dallas Theological Seminary. And so uh, there were some interesting things that he had to say about this. So I'm gonna reference this to him. Um, um, and I'm in agreement with it, to be honest. And so we, 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 we come to a, a topic here of vital importance and, and in that it, it affects our relationships in our home, at church, on the job. Yet it is a topic that generates a lot of friction and heat because the biblical viewpoint is, is about as diametrically opposed to that of the world as it could be. But if you want to follow God in his word on the subject, you must consciously throw off the worldly mindset and decisively submit to what God's word plainly states. You see? So our subject is submission. First in general in, in a general statement and then apply specifically to marriage, the family and the workplace. So Ephesians 5.21 translated literally is submitting yourselves to one another in fear of Christ. It is the last of five participles that spell out the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. The first three center on joyful worship 519, that's where you'll find it. The fourth is always giving thanks for all things. That's following 19, which is 20. And then the, the, the last relates to our relationships, submitting yourselves to one another in fear of Christ. It also serves as a topic phrase to introduce Paul's teaching on Christian marriage. Christian marriage instruction. Or, or, or Christian marriage and instructions to children and parents and uh, directions to slaves and masters also. So I'm going to warn you, if you don't like what the Bible says, uh, you can find purportedly Christians, authors who will try to explain the text in line with the world's thinking. See? And so the world encourages everyone to stand up for his or her rights. The feminist movement promotes women's rights, the homosexual movement, or the so-called gay rights, which 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 is taking a perfectly good good word and ruin it uh, to mean uh, it used to mean happy. That's what gay. That's what I thought gay used to mean happy. You understand? And so you know, let's just go past that. And and so uh, uh, some advocate for for children's rights to be free from the parental authority, although they never seem to extend those rights to children who still happen to be in the womb. PET promotes animal rights, 
often over and above human rights. So if you think that your rights have been violated, you can easily find a lawyer who will take your case. He'll take your case to court and you may win a ridiculous huge settlement. Hmm? So the world's way is assert yourself. Stand up for your rights. You have to take such treatment. Get an attorney to fight for your rights. God's way is submit to one another in the fear of Christ. Huh? Two different things. And so these views are polar opposites. But as I said, you can find those claiming to be Christians who try to bend the Bible to fit the world. But as God's people, we must submit ourselves to his word as the only authority so that we are not conformed to the evils of this world. Hmm? I begin by explaining three different interpretations of our text that we're talking about. The first is unacceptable for reasons just stated. The other two are difficult to decide between. The first view is that of so-called evangelical feminism, which takes Ephesians 5.21 as an over, 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 overarching controlling principle to mutual submission that abolishes any hierarchical hierarchy, if that's what the word I'm trying to use, distinction based on gender in church and in home. And so that would also appeal to Galatians 3.28 where Paul states there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for all are one in Christ. Now these verses, it is claimed to do away with gender-based roles in marriages and church leadership. That ain't true. See, people use that, people use that, but that ain't true. And you know, books, books, books have been written to refute that. Hmm? But in belief, it seems that the, the following verses in Ephesians 5, 22 through 24 decisively show that Paul was not abolishing gender-based roles as the world is trying to do. Also, there are many verses that stipulate male leadership in the home and in the church. You find that in 1 Corinthians 11, 3 and uh, Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 13, 1 Timothy 2, 11 through 15. You find it in the book of Titus. And so in my judgment, the very fact that this feminist view did not emerge in church history until the feminist movement emerged in the world makes it suspect. It is a case. It is. It is. It is a case of 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 uh, glory to God. It's a case of uh, how, how can I say this? Glory to God. It's a case of the world, or it's a case of the church conforming to the world rather than opposing the world. The second view. Is, 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 is that verse 21 does not refer to the mutual submission of everyone in the church. Rather, it refers to wives submitting to husbands, children to parents, children to parents, slaves to masters, 
as spelled out in the following verses. Amen. And, and you know, you, you can see this in the letter that Paul wrote uh, to the Ephesians. Amen. And so the main argument for this view is that the semantic meaning of the word for submit also exclusively refers to someone subjecting himself or herself to another in authority over that person. It is used elsewhere in the New Testament to refer to Jesus' submission to his parents. You see that in Luke? Of demons being subject to the apostles, of citizens being subject to governing authorities, of the universe being subject to Christ, and of unseen powers being subject to Christ, of Christ being subject to God the Father, and of the church members being subject to their leaders, of wives being subject to their husbands, of church being subject to Christ, and of servants being subject to their masters, and of Christians being subject to God. Huh? And so the main argument against this view is the term one another. So we got a problem with that, which seems to refer to mutual sub submission. But those who hold this view counter that term is not always used to refer to exclusively mutual relationships. Huh? For example, um, in, in, in Revelations 6-4, it says that men would slay one another. It says that. Obviously, it doesn't mean that every, everyone mutually kills one another, but rather that some would kill others. Or in Galatians, which commands us to bear uh, one another's burden, doesn't that mean we mutually exchange burdens? That doesn't mean that. But rather that some who are more able a man should bear the burdens of those who are less able. Huh? And so in 1 Corinthians 11.33, 3, where Paul tells the church to wait for one another before partaking the Lord's Supper, it means that those who are ready early should wait for those who are late. So in Ephesians 5.21, it, er, it is argued, be subject to one another, could be paraphrased, those who are under authority should be subject to uh, others among you who have authority over them. Did y'all get that? So while this view is very compelling and may be correct, I am still inclined to the third view. Yeah, 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 I'm inclined to the third view, which is that there is a sense of mutual submission in biblical relationships in which we lay aside our rights of and humbly serve one another in love. Now this is the view of most commentators. It does not do away with the concept of higher uh, the higher uh, archaeological I can't even say that word right. It doesn't do away with the with the with the how can I say that word? Hierarchical authority. I hope I said that properly. And it, well, it doesn't do away with that authority. In the, in the various God-ordained spheres. As the, as the first view does that I mentioned. It, it, it argues, this is what it does. It argues that there is a sense in which even those in position of authority should submit to those under their authority 
by not being self-assertive, but by serving in love. So Jesus was in authority over the disciples, but he laid aside his rights and he washed their feet. Glory to God. Look at that. He taught them in Mark 10. Uh, well, I don't know. Mark 10, 42 it was through 44. You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentile lord over them and their great men exercise authority over them. But it, it is not the way among you. This is what he was saying. But otherwise, I mean, but but you, whosoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whosoever wishes to be first among you shall be all a, a slave to all. So while husbands do not abdicate authority over their wives, they should lay aside all selfishness and authoritarian dominance. Instead, they obey our text by laying us down their lives for their wives as a selfless seeking wives. Uh, 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 or should I say uh, 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 for their wives as, as they selfishly seek their wives highest good. Yeah, that's it. And so there's a sense in which even parents are subject to their own children as they serve them in love. Hmm? When a father lovingly gives himself for his children, is there a subjection? When, when we assist one another, is it servitude or is it subjection? You know, there would be there, 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 would, there would seem to be a sense in which we all are mutually to submit to one another without abandoning our roles of God-given authority. Glory to God. Hmm? And so Paul is saying in the text, filled with the, with the spirit, believers' relationships should be marked by joyful submission to one another out of fear of Christ. Hmm? And so being filled with the Spirit is the foundation for proper submission to one another. Let me say that again. Being filled with the Spirit is the foundation for proper submission to one another. So I'm basing this on the grammatical connection between verses uh, 18 and 21. Verse 21 is the result of verse 18. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means to be under the Spirit's control to the extent that you are not controlled by the Holy Spirit, you are controlling your own life. So every spirit-filled Christian is a submissive Christian. You have submitted your life to the control of the Spirit. Since God has ordained certain spheres of authority in which we are to submit, we are submissive to the Holy Spirit. We will be submissive to these God-ordained authorities. Glory to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so God has ordained authority and submission in various spheres to accomplish his purposes and for our blessings and our protection. And so we recognize this in any human endeavor that requires involvement of many people. Right? Okay, so to build a house, someone has to take charge in order to coordinate the project. The contractor follows a plan. 
He organizes and brings in various subcontractors at the appropriate times to move the project along. And so these contractors may have a, have a, have a team of workers under their supervision. The workers have to submit to the direction of their boss who submits to the overall direction of the contractor. So if anyone veers from the plan and direction of the contractor, the progress on the house will be stalled if not set back. So I can illustrate the same principle, amen, by an army or a government or any other joint endeavor. Authority and submission are required to accomplish the purposes of the organization. When everyone does what he is supposed to do, it is for the overall good of those under authority. Hmm? And so, there are five things about God's ordained authority. Even, even in the, 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 the Trinity, there is an eternal hierarchy of authority and submission. Although the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all equal God are all equally God should I say in, in every aspect to carry out the divine plan for the ages the son submits to the father and the spirit submits to the father and the son and there is no rivalry or jealousy among the members of the trinity of the trinity should I say but rather perfect love and harmony huh Jesus, look at that. Ain't that nice? The most, the most, the most marked characteristic of a tritarian relationship is the presence of the eternal, of an eternal and inherent expression of authority and submission. Huh? Both authority and submission are good. For both are expressive of God himself. Hmm? And so, one of the lessons of the Trinity is that God loves what we despise. Namely, God loves, exercises, and embraces rightful authority, submission, in relationships. Hmm? And so, God has ordained and instituted authority. Romans uh, 13.1 states, every person is to be in subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God and those which exist are established by God glory to God you know, look in Luke 4 6 Satan tells Jesus that he has been given the authority to hand over all the kingdom of the world to whomever he wishes and Jesus did not dispute that the point while sometimes we must resist evil government authority in obedience to God we need to recognize that he has ordained such authority he did and so God has ordained authority for four reasons the first one is God has ordained authority to accomplish his purpose or his purposes as I explained authority and accountability are necessary to accomplish any purpose through a group whether it is to build a house or run a company or an army or a country, while, while in a fallen world, those in authority often abuse their position. It does not negate the necessity 
for proper authority. Authority in uh, those in authority also incur responsibility and accountability to God. To whom much is given, much is required. That's what the word of God says, ain't it? And so number two is that God has ordained authority to protect and bless those under authority. Human government protects and blesses this well they're supposed to. Human government is supposed to uh, uh, protect and bless the citizens who are under that government. Bad government exposes everyone to danger and corruption. You see? If you ever travel to, to a different country, which I haven't, uh, but I've seen a lot of it on TV and on the news and whatnot, but you know, you can't, can't believe all that also, but I'm sure it's happening, that has a corrupt government, uh, a good family government protects and blesses the family. Good church government enables the members to grow and thrive in the Lord. Hmm? Number three, God has ordained authority to develop godly character in those who submit. Children grow to maturity as they submit to their parents, as illustrated even in even with Jesus in Luke uh, 2, 51 through 52. Wives become holy and blameless as they submit to their husbands, their own husbands, not nobody else's. You understand? Church members grow as they submit to to their leaders. And as Christian citizens, we grow in godliness as we submit to our government. And that submission itself is a trait of God as Trinitarian. You see what I'm saying? Even when an authority is unjust or ungodly, we when we submit, we grow to be more like Jesus who suffered unjustly for our sins hmm? so while there is a proper time and way to resist ungodly authority we must be careful in how we do it and you can see that in the book of Daniel right there Daniel Daniel chapter 1 yeah 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 and so God has ordained the fourth thing is God has ordained authority to help us perceive or help us to receive wisdom for our life's directions or our life's decisions let me put it that way John said, I mean, or Jesus said in John, for I have come down, glory to God, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Ain't that what he said? He often slipped away for prayer, and through that means he, he knew what God the Father wanted him to do. As, as, as we submit to God, as we submit to God's word and, 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 and we seek the wisdom and counsel of those who are in authority over us, that is parents, church leaders and, and whatnot, we can gain wisdom for the important decisions in our lives. You see? And so to review, even, even, in, even in the Trinity, there is an eternal hierarchy of authority and submission. God has instituted all human uh, authority for four reasons, to accomplish his purposes, to protect and bless those under authority, to develop godly character in those who submit, and to help us to uh, uh, receive wisdom of life's, uh, 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 wisdom for life's uh, decisions, right? And so to resist God-given authority means to thaw God's purpose and protection in ourselves or in our lives. Whoever resists authority removes himself from the protection and exposes himself to harm and punishment. This is what Romans tells us. And Romans 13 tells us that. 13 2. 
First Peter tells us that. Rebellion against God given authority is a serious sin. See that in 1 Samuel. Now I'm not saying I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect in none of this stuff. I'm learning this stuff. You understand what I'm talking about? I'm learning how to be submissive. According to what Ephesians says. You know, Satan failed because he wanted to put himself uh, uh, on an equal plane of authority with God. This was the, the basis of his temptation to eat, to eat the fruit so that she would be like God. See that in Genesis 3, right? So, 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 so he got her to resist Adam's authority because the command not to eat the fruit came to Eve through Adam. Hmm? And Satan's appeal was, you don't have to obey God or your husband. Make your own decision. Be your own authority. And that has been his appeal to the fallen, to fallen human beings ever since. So it's safe to say that all defiance against God's given authority originates from Satan and puts those who resist authority in opposition to God himself. So, glory to God, I... Uh, ask the hard question right now. You know, um, and I even pose this question to myself. Are you a submissive person? Mostly important, are you submitting daily to Jesus as Lord of everything in your life? <sighs> are you subject to the government in obedience to Christ? Are you submitting to your local church and its leadership? As a wife, are you submitting to your husband? Children, are you submitting, uh, are you subject to your parents? Workers, are you subject to your employers? And for all of us, uh, are, are you submitting yourself to one another in selfless service for Christ's sake? Do you look for needs in others and seek to minister to those needs? If you are filled with the Spirit, your relationship should be marked by joyful submission to others out of the fear of Christ. This has been Mitchell Dawkins with today's message.